Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for hanging out with us again today on Todd Versations. Season two. Come on. What are you talking about? Season two. I love this. I am so excited for this guest today. And I'm going to build this story up because I just love what she is about, what she's doing. Um, what a find. What a person. Please, everybody, give it up to the one, the only Chef Ann Cooper. Welcome, Ann. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I am thrilled that you're here. I absolutely love what you are about. So, uh, you know, I say it all the time. I'm a fanboy. I am a fanboy of what your organization is doing, the <laughs> Chef Ann Foundation. Uh, you know, AKA, you're known as the Renegade Lunch Lady, which I absolutely love that. I'd love to see that on a T-shirt. I would buy it and I'd wear it. But I want to give everybody a little bit of a, a, a kind of a frame up of what you guys are about and how I kind of found you. And, and when I started diving into what you were about, and I'm just, again, a huge, huge fan of this organization. So the Chef Ann Foundation is dedicated to uh, promoting whole ingredients, scratch cooking in schools. And I absolutely love it. I say it all the time that us empowering our children to make better food choices while they're young will ultimately lead to a better planet, a better environment, and better health as they mature. Because if we, we put it into their, into their lifeblood and into the system of their minds as they grow and as they prosper. And I believe that scratch cooking and what you guys are trying to do is so, uh, I'm blown away how, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not, but how really simple it is to go like, we don't need to warm food up. We don't need to process. We don't need all this processed stuff. Like cooking a chicken breast and some broccoli and some pasta is a hell of a good meal. And the kids absolutely love it. So I wanted to throw that big frame up out there for everybody. So they know what we're talking about and why I'm so excited about it. I always say all the time, I, I kind of feel sometimes like I'm spider monkey on Mountain Dew, but I don't want to talk about Mountain Dew today in this episode. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of season two. I'm excited for everybody to, to hear this and to participate in the Chef Found Foundation. So again, from the bottom of my heart, welcome. And uh, we're going to have fun today. I got a lot of questions. Great. I can't wait. Cool. So uh, before we get dive into the questions, I want to frame up a little bit so people have a little bit of, a, of an understanding of your impact to date. And I, and, I, and I pulled this off. And one of the things I found was very interesting is that academic uh, performance increases in children who eat a healthy lunch every day. Um, and I think that that, that, that's, that comes from the National Bureau of Economic Research. I, I mean, it, it's, it's a proven fact that if, if we eat right, good things happen to us all day long. So your impact to date with the Chef Ann Foundation, and you're on year 10, correct, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, a little over 10 years old. That's yeah, right. unbelievable. So here's your impact. You have, you have reached 3.3 million kids there's 13,533 schools that are empowered by your program. You have granted 5,965 salad bars, being a part of that, putting it into schools. You have 98,501 students impacted by your lunchroom education, and 1,744 seats have been filled on your online courses to teach people to do what you're advocating to do. That is powerful and extremely inspiring. So... Again, back to my thousand questions and you and excited to have you. Here. So I'm going to shut up for a minute because I've been babbling long enough. Share with us a little bit about your journey to this point and, and how you how you got here, you know, hanging out with me, uh, chit chatting. Well, I am such an unlikely candidate to be a school food advocate. You know, I came up in 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 white tablecloth cooking. I was a chef, I owned my own restaurant, I worked on cruise ships, I worked on hotels, I catered backstage for the Grateful Dead. Oh, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> Some crazy stories. Uh, parties of 20,000. Um, and so I never wanted to cook for kids. I never thought about cooking for kids. It just wasn't in my DNA. And right. I was cooking fancy food for rich people. That's what I did. And, you know, the worst thing I can imagine is one of my staff coming, running in the kitchen, saying, chef, chef, there's a screaming child on table 19. What do I do? And I'd say, ask them to leave. What are they doing in my restaurant with this, a screaming child? So, like, I had no idea about cooking for kids. And I went along on this trajectory of, and the first time I cooked at the White House was in the 1990s. And I cooked for Congress and I was really known for sustainability. I wrote a book called Bitter Harvest about right. why food makes us sick and, and, and who owns the food supply. 
1999, I was the chef of the Putney Inn in Vermont, and I got a call to um, work at, I got a call to see if I would come work at the Ross School in East Hampton, New York. And I originally looked at the phone and went, what, Milan Trading? No way. And I said, no, I'm not interested. That's not the work I do. And they said, the founder, Courtney Ross, really wants you to look at this. So I went down to East Hampton, New York, and I felt like, wow, she was building an alternative education model. And one of the pillars was going to be healthy food. And she said to me, I cook healthy. I cook organically. That's what I want for the kids. And I really looked at it and thought about it and thought, wow, maybe this is where my career has brought me. I knew how to do really big food. I knew right. about sustainability. I had written about sustainability. So in 1999, I kind of dropped out of the celebrity chef world and became a lunch lady. And that's how I got the name Renegade Lunch Lady. Damn right. Throwing ninja stars and everything. I love it. What, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I talk about this all the time and I think you probably would agree with me. We have no idea where our path is going to take us. We just have the responsibility of keep walking down our path. And yeah. I think you're a prime example of all of a sudden you go from, from doing what you were doing to literally saying, I have fed and been a part of 3.3 plus million kids' lives. That's impactful. That's a good day. That's just not your average Tuesday. That's a good day. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I guess to kind of follow up on, on, on your story a little bit and just kind of get a little bit deeper and ask the question, it's like, so why did you go do this? I mean, what, what, what was, you know, what was that epiphany? Like, oh, you know, again, that path and all of a sudden, wow, there's the big light in front of me. You know, I went to the Culinary Institute of America and when I graduated, I went on cruise ships and spent a couple of years going around the world. And then I opened a restaurant. But as I walked along that path, chefs, especially starting in the late 80s and early 90s, were seen as a way to raise money. So all of us did what I call schlep and cooks. You go all over the country and you schlep and cook for some event and, and raise money for it. And there was this philanthropic part of everything I did because my work was, you know, cooking fancy food for rich people. Right. And when I got down to... East Hampton, it was like, wow, maybe this is how I can get give back. I really cared about sustainability, the planet, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And so I went, maybe we can change things. Maybe if we can make it happen at the Ross School, we can make it happen everywhere. And that was really the foot in the door because at the Ross School, it was really high profile. We we're so close to New York. We were really well-funded. And we were also the caterer for Courtney Ross. So we were catering for Barbara Streisand sure. and for Quincy Jones and actually for the Beatles. And so everyone came to see what we were doing and, and we started to really have an impact. Wow. And, and for the, now I got to, we're going to have to get into the Beatle thing. We get into the dead thing. We're going to talk about the Beatle thing, right? We got to know, I got to know about that. You know, what, what I love about what you guys are doing is that, you, you know, you're providing school districts with, with grants and with funds and salad bars and assessments and development and, and really tools and resources to say, hey, look, you don't need to warm food up. You just need to make food. It's not that much different. And, you know, it, it certainly is impactful. So when you started this, when you, again, had that epiphany moment down your path, what was your first goal? I mean, what was it when you got going? Like, what, what what was that goal like in your mind? Well, well, you know, what I brought to school food that was sort of the first time anyone had done this was that I was a chef, and so I brought my ideals about real food, scratch cooking. That's what I did, and I brought it to school food, and I said, I want to prove that kids will eat the food because everyone said kids won't eat it. Now at the Ross School, we had a way bigger budget than schools have, and it was a private school. But we sure. fed every, every kid and adult. They all ate together. We fed them two or three meals a day. We had a garden. We were sourcing locally. It was sustainable. Um, and, and I wanted to prove we could do it. And because it was so high profile, people came from all over the country and funders came to look at it. And Alice Waters came to look at it, which is how I got from East Hampton to Berkeley. But I wanted to show that kids would eat the food and this could be done anywhere. Unbelievable. Well, you know, in your journey with Alice Waters, I mean, talk about somebody that's uh, led the path for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. She's an amazing. I had the, I had the good fortune of accompanying her 
at an organic center event and I enjoyed her company. She was just so much fun to hang out with. Just She's but amazing. so pa- so passionate, just like you, so passionate about making a difference and using food because you know, food can help us, food can hurt us. We know that we know that all too well. Um, you know, eating the right food can make a difference, eating the wrong food can make a difference. So when you were going and you got this started down there in, the, in East Hamptons and you're and you're getting this going and when did you know you were really onto something though? When did you like all of a sudden go like, uh-oh, scale t- time to scale, time to think bigger? When did when did that hit you? Well, we, we started getting so much press. We were in the New York yeah. Times and um the New Yorker did a big profile on me and it's it really and, and the government people were coming to see what was possible, USDA and New oh, York right. City. And and I knew that so many people were asking for the information to try and change it. And I started thinking that I needed to be able to provide information to people. I couldn't go around the country just fixing little schools. I needed to pro- provide information. And in 2004, I started thinking about this idea of building a lunchbox and I left the Ross school and I went to Berkeley to work first for the Chez Panisse foundation. And then I took over the school district there. And while working between those two, mm-hmm. I started talking about building a lunchbox and, and it was literally, I thought it was going to be a lunchbox with all this information and quickly understood that what I really needed to do was build a virtual lunchbox, build a website, a place where all the information to move school districts and support them from serving highly processed to scratch cooked foods. Right. And so that's kind of how that started to happen. I love it. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's a big undertaking, right? Changing our school system and food is a huge undertaking, but it's, but in, in really, and I don't, and I don't mean to, to, to downplay it, but it's really kind of a simple concept. Right. It's just about eating good food and providing good food and having good food available to do because you guys, you know, look, school districts work within a budget. Right. They're only given X amount to deal with, which is one of the bigger problems I think that we have is that we, you know, we, we, we have this. They work within the confines of what they have to spend. And that makes it a real big challenge at times. Um, but it's not something that you can't overcome or it's not something that to your point which what you've created and i'm going to dive deeper into all the programs that you have but you know what you've created is allowing them this opportunity to step back and go well you can do it this way and i think it's just eye-opening and i mean when i look at the numbers and the people that are engaged with you it's like you know i, I love this i just i just do i'm just to me i just i, I wish this was well, i wish this was around when i was a kid because i think you know i, I look back at it you know, growing up and, and trying to think that far back, you know, back when the dinosaurs ruled the planet. But nonetheless, um, you know, I, I remember what those lunches were. They were heat. You know, they were just reheat food or they were the peaches packed in, you know, in the syrup. And the kids wanted the, the kids wanted the syrup, not the peaches. Right. And and it made me think as I was preparing for this and looking what you're doing and, and, and looking um, at, at what's going on with like the edible garden and some of these other places. And it made me stop and think, and I'll, I'll ask you the question, I guess, or make a statement to kind of come into a question, but it kind of reminds me back when I was younger and the way schools work, it's almost as if school lunches in some way mimic or almost supported the fast food industry. You know, that kind of that, that quick and easy, that just here's the, the, the taste is always the same. You know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in my, my, my thought process, but it just really, it really got resonated with me when I started prepping a little bit about that. Is that, you know, God, it's, it's just kind of similar in a lot of ways. This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Maryfield. Better for you brands. Always rewarding. Find out how you can save time and be rewarded as you shop with Maryfield.com. Well, that's certainly the current school food system. You know, the school lunch program's been around for about 75 years. And right. when it started, it was women, almost exclusively women, cooking from scratch, very simple food maybe even not that healthy, but it was cooked from scratch and maybe, um, you know, maybe not lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, but it became commercialized. And what happened is after the world wars, and especially going into world war II, there weren't enough recruits and that, and that's because it was so many men were malnourished or so many people were malnourished. They couldn't, and they couldn't have enough people to go into the armies. Now, of course, we're too fat to fight, but another story. And then the USDA said, or the army said, we need people to eat healthier so that we can fight in wars. And we started 
the USDA started dictating what should be in school lunches. And the USDA has a number of things they're responsible for, but one of the things is to support commercial agriculture, big, big commercial agriculture. Right. And that's sort of opposite of serving healthy food sometimes. So when there was too much food, especially dairy and meat and things like that, the government bought it up and put it into school food. So the quality of the food started to deteriorate. And then after the war, we saw a, a wartime wartime pro- products become peacetime industries. And we saw, right. saw, saw frozen food and we saw canned food more. And, and through all of that, it, it came to a time when fast food came in. And right. so 50 years into the program, the equipment burned out, the lunch ladies were retiring. And at the same time, post-World War II, we had these industrialized industries and we saw fast food and fast food came in and said, you don't need to cook. You don't need all the equipment. You don't need all these skilled people. Right. We have this stuff for you. And then of course the advertising. And so kids started asking for this food that they were getting in fast food and the fast food companies were producing food that other companies mimicked and put into schools. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing that we're, you know, it's like, we're going full circle. We're going, you know, you're going back to a healthier time in our country. No two ways about it. So the chef foundation, you know, coming up a little over 10 years, happy birthday, by the way. So thank you. Big, big, big pie in the sky question. What's the organization trying to accomplish? If you can simplify that, if you can simplify a big pie in the sky answer, what is it trying to yeah. accomplish? My goal is that every child every day would have access to healthy scratch cooked food in school and no child would ever be hungry. I mean, that's right. how I would synthesize, synthesize it. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of pieces to that. There's sure. you know, food, finance, facilities, human resources and marketing. There's all of these pieces. But what I want is to support every school in the whole country, every school district to serve healthy food for kids every day. Love it. I love it. So let's get into a little bit, you know, what are some of the key strategies that you're going to need to come up with? You've already come up with, obviously, but what are the key strategies that are going to make it all happen? Well, let me go back to that food finance facilities, human resources and marketing. I mean, every school district is struggling. Food, where are you going to get it? And how do you make sure it's good? And today, given the pandemic and how hard it is to get anything, that's really a problem. Finances, how do you pay for it? Most school districts are spending less than $1.50 on the food. The reimbursement rate from the government is somewhere between $3.50 and $4, depending on how they're running the program. But just think about how little that is. So finance is really important. Facilities, you know, most schools have taken out their kitchens. There's not a lot of kitchens. How do we build those back? Well, you know, the infrastructure bill is going to help do that. Human resources. How do we train our people? Again, uh, the infrastructure bill has money in it for training. And finally, how do you get the kids to eat it? So there's a marketing component, an education component. And those are the things we we focus on. And then we do that through all of our programming. Right. Well, you know, you you make a really great point about finance. And just to put it into perspective, $2.95 for a venti cup of coffee. Right. So yeah. think about that. We drive, we drive through two ninety five for a venti cup of coffee, but you're talking about a, a meal that's $3, three dollars, three fifty, dollars whatever, however, whatever, whatever the sliding scale of, you know, of, of, of money is depending on the district. That's tough. Well, that's yeah. Tough. I mean, think about adults. We think nothing in many parts of this country of spending even $5 for a venti latte at Starbucks or sure. Five, six, seven dollars for a beer, or eight, nine, fifteen dollars for a glass of wine. So yeah. we're spending more money on, oftentimes daily, sometimes more than one a day, adult beverages than, than we are feeding our kids. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, it is, which is exactly why I love what you guys are doing. That's why I'm honored to have you here. So, I, I think it's, I think we have to touch on this a little bit, and, and a little bit about why nutrition is so important to children. Obviously, to all of us, it is. But but 
at this young age, I mean, obviously, you know, they're in development, their brains, you know, your brain's not fully formed until what you're 22, 24, 25, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Some people, some people are still, you know, 55 trying to get a fully formed brain, but nonetheless. Um, but why is nutrition so important to the children and, and what we're seeing with that? Well, I think especially during COVID, this has proved more and more important, but, you know, under undernourished children, especially infants and toddlers, actually don't develop their brains as well as they should, you know, so you're looking at, you know, it's critical that these kids get good nutrition, and they often, two thirds of all the meals served under the National School Lunch Breakfast and Lunch Program are, are served to underserved people, people who don't have enough to eat oftentimes, kids who are undernourished and undernutrition, you know, not having enough good nutrition. So it's really important. And oftentimes we, we see this paired with obesity. So kids can be hungry and be obese. Right. And kids that are obese, what we've seen is that adult onset diseases have become childhood illnesses. So now we see kids with obesity that have diabetes, that have high blood pressure, that have heart disease. I mean, it's just horrendous. And now with COVID, what we've seen is the highest rate of death and the most serious illness during COVID has been with people that are obese or unhealthy for whatever reason. And so it's so important. And you talk about school food being part of academic achievement. Well, you know, when kids are hungry, they can't think. And, you know, when they're malnourished, they can't learn. And that's why we send kids to school to learn. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, I was sharing, I was doing a broadcast with a friend overseas and he was telling a story about every morning he drives to work and he sees two kids walking to school, drinking a tall uh, energy drink. That's their breakfast. Yeah. Right. And what is, I mean, that gets you nowhere. And, and I, and you're right. We do know, and, and if you'd like to touch on it, I'll, I'll throw it out there. But we do know that the relationship between nutrition and learning is it's cut and dry, right? If kids eat healthy, kids eat right, they're going to their brains, their, their bodies, everything is more active. So we, but there's data that supports that. Absolutely. And they can they can grow to their potential. I mean, this idea well about this idea about school food, I mean, absolutely health and academic performance and equity, you know, making sure that kids from underserved communities are able to excel and be the best they can be. And if they don't, if they aren't well fed, that's just not going to happen. And additionally, school food can help grow, um, grow the next generation of cooks and the next generation of people who can serve kids. I mean, it's workforce development. I mean, it's everything. I mean, I often say that school food can save the world. I don't disagree with you. I don't think that it's not that bold of a statement, to be honest with you. I, I believe that you're absolutely right. I believe that that we have an obligation I, I, as a community, as a country, as a country that's a community. That's what we kind of all are. No matter, how, no matter how you want to be divisive, no matter how you want to look at it, we are one community here, right? That we have an obligation, I believe, to uplift our children and to give them the best opportunity we can. And I see this in a lot of aspects of, of my business and a lot of these conversations I have with folks. You know, we think about the next generation of farmer. They're not coming. And they're not coming because, A, they don't want to. Maybe they're going to go into technical farming, like vertical or aquaponics, these different things. Maybe, perhaps, I don't know. But they're not coming. And if we don't start to make these investments, downstream, I'm talking about it with our youth, we're going to suffer tomorrow for it. Absolutely. You know, and I say this all the time, and I'm sure people that listen to this all the time, it's like, oh, here he goes again, right? But food is a medicine. Food is a drug. It can hurt you, can help you. But in the same token, we have got to invest in our food supply, in our system, because we have to start to understand what the positive costs of food are. What you're doing is a positive cost of food. No matter, you know, look, if you're putting out a meal for $50 for a kid, okay, I could see the debate that that might be a little bit like, all right, you know, that might be tough to do in a lot of school districts, but you're not. And when I think about positive cost of food, and when I think about what you guys are are, are about, I, I, this conversation in my mind has to continue to be elevated because we, we, we're going to offset these costs in healthcare. We're going to have a, a better society. 
We're going to have healthier people. I mean, all these things are just all pluses that it just, it doesn't seem that hard for us to grasp as a community. We need to be leaning into this. So thank you for sharing that and, 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 and for bringing up those points. Cause I think it's extremely, extremely important. I want to kind of break down now, get into the nitty gritty, get into the dirt about the programs that you're doing for folks. And I, there, there's four of them I want to talk about. Uh, you probably know the answer to all of them. So I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to help me. Yeah. But the, the ones I want to, I want to get into to your work. And I think because it's so important um, for folks to understand, you know, we, we framed up this kind of this path we're on, but here's what you're doing now. And this is what I love. So the first one I want to talk about is um, the lunchbox, which is uh, kind of a step-by-step uh, toolkit that provides recipes and resources to, um, you know, to kind of help people get to a scratch cooking program inside the schools. Can you touch on that a little bit, please? Yeah, you know, the lunchbox has my heart, really, because it's the first program I conceived of. It's the one where I thought, okay, we don't have to go into every school district. We can supply the information. And so the lunchbox has literally thousands of recipes that are USDA compliant, that are explodable. So if the recipe is written for 100, you can explode it to 500 or bring it down to 50. Um, And it, it goes through, it's set up in these five areas, food, finance, facilities, human resources, and marketing. And literally, we give you all of the information to move school food from highly processed or ultra processed to scratch cooking. And I want to say that this doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I usually say it's a five-year, it's a five-year trajectory for schools to, <coughs> sorry. You're fine. My ice melted in my vodka, so that's killing me this morning. <laughs> I usually say it's a five-year trajectory. Uh-huh. You know, it's it, you have to move along a continuum. If a school district is serving chicken nuggets and they want to serve roast chicken, well, that doesn't happen overnight. You have to make sure you have the food and you have to have the money and you have to have the equipment and you have to have, train the staff and you have to educate the kids. So the lunchbox has all of those tools and it has everything from management, how to market to families, how to do the budgeting, how to do food costs, how to do labor costs. We really give you the nuts and bolts. And that's all besides the the recipes that you can actually do. Right. I love it. And again, 13,533 schools already in power, right? Because that's yeah. it. And it, and it's, and, and that's, I love that when you're coming side by side, these folks to try to uplift, it's beautiful. Next one I want to talk about is the, is the school food Institute, which is uh, your online courses, um, which I'm assuming it's for, for people at the school level, the professionals development and training, et cetera. Uh, can you touch on that for me? Yeah. The school food Institute sort of came out of the lunchbox. Like even with all the tools there, a lot of people needed more help to use them. So they needed sort of a step-by-step approach. So there's 11 uh, classes on the lunchbox. And and actually, when you take a class, you have homework. And myself and a TA correct every single piece of homework. I read every single piece of homework. So people get direct interaction with me. And the classes are really, again, broken down, food, finance, facilities, human resources, and marketing. And a step-by-step explanation of what's on the lunchbox and you can be taking a class and click to go back to the lunchbox. Um, it can take you to other places where there's a def- additional information. So really it's about, again, helping supporting colon- uh, school food professionals to move from highly processed to scratch cooked. Additionally, we see a lot of nonprofit people who are supporting schools take these courses. Food Corps has a lot of their members taking these sure. courses. And, and we also see parents who are really interested in making change, taking the courses too. Yeah, I think that's the key. Right? And, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. I think that's really the key. You know, when I'm, I'm reading more and more now about parents that are quickly becoming involved in the school system that they haven't been involved before. I mean, we're seeing a, a kind of a, a, a surge of participation, which is great. Um, but I'm glad to see that parents are getting more involved. And I'm seeing more and more in the media now about this school district parents are saying, hey, more fruits and vegetables, less sugar, 
let's wait a minute. This is now I'm cooking at home. This is, you know, we, we got to keep the balance here because we're, we're not, we're not doing the right thing by these kids. So I'm excited to see that parents are involved in this. So just for clarity, anybody, it doesn't matter, parent, school, whatever, if they want to take these classes, they want to get involved, get on the website and figure it out. Right. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, absolutely. And there's one class called school food 101. So for parents or advocates, that's a great place to start. School food professionals probably want to go through all the courses or at least most of the courses, but School Food 101 really helps people understand the challenges in school food. I think it's great. I hope everybody does it. We're going to make sure, believe me, we're going to blow this up on social media. Everybody's going to know to go do that. Mm -hmm. Lisa, I'm going to do my best to get it out there for you. <laughs> Another one is the salad bars for school, which is something that, that you know, the, the produce trade um, it's certainly been actively involved in, uh, certainly got a lot of momentum. People are supporting people are behind it. Um, again, you know, it, let's educate that next consumer in a lot of ways, which is super important. Um, but talk a little bit about the salad bars, of school program that you guys have. And again, what is it? 5,965, according to the active, no, active ticker on your website as of yesterday morning. So let's just, yeah. you know what? let's call it 6,000. I'm going to 6,000 by the end of the broadcast. What? Let's call it 6,000. We're about to, in 2022, we're about to donate a whole lot more salad bars. Um, one of our big partners is the Whole Kids Foundation, which right. is in, from the Whole Food from Whole Foods. Yep. And they have just donated or committed to giving us money for more salad bars. But this came out of uh, the, the CEO of the Chefan Foundation is Mara Fleischman. And when she and I met, she was... Uh, the director of global partnerships for Whole Foods Foundation for Whole mm -hmm. Foods. That was before there was a foundation. Foundation, right. And and they helped raise money to build the lunchbox. And then we said, well, what are we going to do next? And I said, salad bars. And I really felt like that that was an entree point that even if you couldn't fix what was on the center of the plate, if you gave kids choice, if you really had fresh fruits and vegetables, right there on a salad bar that kids could choose. If you really supported local procurement, you could change everything. And so we started, we started with something called the Great American Salad Bar Project. And this mm -hmm. was a, around the time uh, that uh, the Obama administration came in. And I got involved with Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign. And we folded the Great American Salad Bar Project into uh, the Let's Move and started calling it Let's Move Salad Bars to School. I had the great honor of working with Michelle Obama and Sam Cass and really promoting this idea that kids could eat fresh fruits and vegetables in schools. And so many years later, it's still going and we're getting salad bars out there. Kids are choosing. I mean, COVID has put a little bit of a, you know, yes. hold on it, but lots of schools are, are doing it. And when you see kids go to a salad bar and take all of these items, it's amazing. And we've had parents say, my kids won't eat fresh fruits and vegetables. And I said, well, they do in school and, you know, we'll bring them in to watch. And, you know, when kids have positive peer pressure to pressure, try things, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. Kids love salad bars. Oh, absolutely. And you're giving them choices. And, and that's the beauty that's right. of it, right? But you're right. Peer pressure is wonderful, right? And food, and, you know, all of a sudden... Tommy's having a salad. Now Jimmy's going to have a salad. Bex is going to have a salad. Next thing you know, everybody's having a salad. And they're like, this is, you know, this is great. And, and I, and I would imagine that the food that you're putting on the tables now for these kids is probably promoting better conversation, more time sitting there, enjoying their food. They're probably not trying to throw it down. You know, they're probably have some appreciation for the flavor profile. I mean, I would like to think that they do. Um, so to me, I think it's just wonderful that these opportunities exist. And, you know, and, and you touched on a little bit with, with, with COVID. And one of the things that I think is important that maybe we don't talk about enough is the fact that we can do a lot to help our own immunity by eating right. Right. Again, back to food right. as medicine. Yeah. And so to be able to help young people um, with their immunity by just putting basic, simple, clean, honest food in front of them um, is a positive step in a world that's filled with a pandemic that's touching everybody in every country on this planet. So I'm encouraged to see that. I love it. I love well, it. and especially with fresh fruits and vegetables. Absolutely. You know, the idea that we feed kids fresh fruits and vegetables and not a syrup laden fruit or even fruit leather and things like that. Just 
as you said, real honest food. It, it yeah. makes a, a huge difference. I love it. The next one I want to talk about, which I think is, is um, really interesting, and I wanted to kind of frame it up back to what you said in the beginning about you know, the Lunchbox program, taking five years to kind of get that runway from start to finish or implementation and going, which, which I understand the process, but in my mind, all right, how do we get this to five months, right? How do, how do we get this to five months, to five weeks, to five days, to five minutes, right? Because I think it's that important. The Get Schools cooking program that you have, um, which I think is really interesting because it is, it's, it's basically a three-year course, for lack of a better word. Um, it's, it's really a deep dive. I mean, it's deep um, it, because it's strategic and it's about planning. Um, you know, it's, I think, for lack of a better word, it's really kind of that, almost that kind of first step of that ladder that you kind of got to get embraced to, to build everything from in some ways from what I'm, when I you know, pull out of it. Can you share about that? Because I think that one's really impactful. Yeah, I mean, this was sort of the next step from the lunchbox to School Food Institute and Get Schools Cooking was like, okay, there are districts now who want more support. And we've gotten grants from numerous foundations to actually go into school districts and help them create the change. So we'll go in and do an assessment. We follow up with technical, well, we start with an assessment and then we do a strategic plan and then we do technical assistance. And so we literally are on the ground helping school districts move from highly processed to scratch cooked. And it's, we don't do very many school districts a year, usually four to eight, depending on the size and their needs and our, our funding. But it's unbelievable how, how important this program is. And how important it is to help school districts really make the change. So it, it's been really great. And I've been on the ground for a lot of these programs and the change, the possible change and the long-term change is just phenomenal. That's unbelievable. It, you know, it, it, so folks know too, and I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but you, you know, you're doing work in all 50 states. I mean, you're everywhere. You're, you know, every, every you're single everywhere. state. Yeah. yeah. Every state is a part of what you're doing and is listening and learning you know, it's just, I, I think these, these steps that you're doing, what you've implemented is brilliant. Um, and I think it's just so necessary and I'm so glad. And you made a mention of something and, I, and shame on me for not banging the drum earlier. Y'all are a 501c3. You're a nonprofit. You need support. We need people to get behind this. We need people to help with this curriculum because look, at the end of the day, you can go to your school district in you know, any town USA and say, we want to make a change. But if they don't have the tools and don't have a clear understanding of how to make the change, to your point, that change is could be long served. It could be five years. It could be six, who knows what that might be, or how, who knows if it's, if it even gets to the point of, you know, success versus you know uh, trajectory. And so to see that you've built this toolbox for people to come alongside you guys and be embraced, like, look, we want to help you, is powerful. So I hope people recognize when they go online and they go, it's like, hey, donate now, donate now. This is worth your time and energy. We've got to make these changes, right? A little bit now, a little bit now is going to make a lot down the road. I wanted to touch on um, something, you know, kind of a, the, where we are today. From, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I don't want to get all negative Nancy on this whole thing. But I think that there's some examples of why the current food system programs need to change from the sugars to the fat to the processed foods. Can you touch on a little bit? You know, again, I don't I don't want to be I don't want to go. I don't want to go dark on it. But the fact of the matter is, I think people need to understand why this change is so important and why we need to embrace what you're doing. You know, especially during COVID, we saw obesity just skyrocket. Childhood illnesses just skyrocket. We just can't continue in this country to feed our kids high fat, high salt, high sugar foods. It's just, we're killing our kids with food. And some of it's because it's quick and easy. Some of it's because there's big companies out there pushing it, advertising. We don't have Europe, in Europe, in a lot of countries, there's advertising laws. You can't push junk food to kids online yes. and on their phones and on their apps and on their games. And it's pushed. And, and the amount of money spent, billions and billions of dollars spent every year marketing junk food to kids. And so little for fresh fruits and vegetables. And what we're trying to do is help schools change kids' eating behaviors. You know, 
in America, we send our kids to school to learn. And whatever they learn is part, whatever's happening is part of their education. So if they're fed bad food, if they're fed fast food and pizza every day and, you know, packaged food every day, they kind of think that's okay because it's in school and that's what they're supposed to learn. But if we do the opposite, if we're feeding them real food, fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, plant forward, you know, healthy proteins, then we're educating them and sort of pushing back on what's happening with big industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you're, it, what we teach our kids is what they're going to do tomorrow. And we've got to be invested. Yep. In that. We have got to make time to understand that, you know, look, if you're going to teach your kid to look both ways when they cross the street, why wouldn't you teach them the difference between, you know, processed food and an apple? I, it, I, I don't, it, it's literally, it's, it doesn't make sense. And it's our food. And it's the one thing that connects this entire planet. I say it all the sun, water, and food. Everybody on this planet has to have those three things to survive. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that we don't put this kind of energy into it. And I understand why, but we need to fix that why to being a better, for a better tomorrow. So what can we do and how can we, you know, help make changes that, you know, are going to create the, the maximum amount of impact? Well, there's numbers of, of ways we can create impact just on a personal level. Like if somebody's listening to this and they have a kid or know a kid or have a niece or nephew, I mean, you can just sit down and eat meals with kids. And yeah. if you go, if you know, if you're a family that eats fast food all the time, you know, eat it less. If you're a family that never sits down to meals together, do that, you know, cook with your kids shop with your kids. And I get that that can be hard, but sometimes do it. Grow a garden, make food part of the conversation in your family, healthy food. I mean, that from just a personal level can do wonders. If you have kids in school, and even if you don't, you can work with the school districts to serve healthier food. Let the school districts know, let the superintendents know that you want this. Work with the school boards to say, yes, we want healthier food. If you're with a business that's listening to this, or even if you're not, you know, donate to the Chef Anne Foundation. Yeah. You know, we, this is the time of year when we really look for donations, as do all nonprofits at, with year-end giving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every single penny we spend, we have to go out and 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 fundraise for. I mean, I often say one of my jobs is being a panhandler because I'm always asking people for money because we need it to do our work. So um, I always say that last because there's so many things we can personally do, but it is really important. Well, 100 percent. And that's why I said it earlier. I mean, let's you know, people need to come on and see what you're about and realize that you're, you're laying out that roadmap. I talk about this all the time. You know, when you build a plan, the first, first rung of the ladder has to be the most secure, right? Because if it's not, the whole ladder is going to wobble, right? You, you can have things that you go up, but you're really that. You're really laying down this groundwork for any school, any parent to participate in to make a positive change that not only are they going to see the benefit within their own children, but past their, you know, as their children are 50, 60 years old. That groundwork is going to continue in their lives as being positive. This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Maryfield. Better for you brands. Always rewarding. Find out how you can save time and be rewarded as you shop with Maryfield.com. And they're going to teach their children. I 100%. Mean, if we can change what kids eat today and change their relationship to food and how they want the planet, they're going to change their kids. We're going to change their kids and maybe the planet will survive and maybe we'll save the health of our of generations to come. Absolutely. I love it. I want to go back, um, shift gears a little bit. I want to go back and, and, and you know, uh, I ask people you know, all the time, what's something that you're really, really proud of? And you kind of touched on a little bit your work that you did. Um, and I'd like for you to touch on it if you'd like a little bit more with the Let's Move campaign, because um, I, I think that of things that have come out of our government over the however long I can remember back. Um, I don't think there was anything that was probably in my mind that, that was quite as impactful to try to elevate the conversation of uh, um, food that came out of this campaign, you know, to put a garden, put an organic garden with, with bee boxes and stuff in the white. I've seen it. I've been there uh, to be able to see that on the grounds is pretty impressive. I mean, it's a big statement. And I, and I think that it's important that we recognize that 
you know, the government can do a lot. They have a pretty powerful microphone to tell people things. And that, you know, I don't think we do enough of that. We don't spend enough time hearing about go to the gym, take your vitamins, you know, get exercise because why we don't, I don't understand. I wish we did, but it's one of the things I keep banging the drum on. So can you touch on that a little bit more? Because I think it just was so impactful. Yeah, I think, you know, let's move aside. I'll get back to that. The Obama administration really empowered the government, both the Department of Ed and the Department of Agriculture to make significant change. And in 2010, uh, they passed the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, which was the most impactful change to the national school lunch program ever. And it really started to say, we need to serve fresh fruits and vegetables. We need to decrease the amount of salt, decrease the amount of fat, get rid of a lot of things that really shouldn't be in food. And it was hugely impactful from a government level. And then Michelle Obama, as the cheerleader for all this, bringing people together, taking it on as one of her main goals was to make sure kids ate healthy. It was unbelievable. And the last administration rolled some of it back, but it still was the most impactful thing. And it's really great that Tom Vilsack, who was in charge of the USDA Secretary of Ag under Mm -hmm. Obama, is now Secretary of Ag again, and really supporting a lot of the, a a lot of this healthy food. Um, And I think that that's really, really so important. And we didn't really have it under the last administration, you know, when you saw big, huge plates of uh, fast food in the White House. Um, so really different than what we're seeing now, which is really supporting healthy food in schools. Right. Yeah, no. And thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important to recognize the power that, you know, the government, again, has a lot of power uh, yes. to do good, to do bad, you know, whatever, whatever, you want, wherever you want to dissect it. But I think it's very important that 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 cheerleading is, you know, is a good thing. And I think that, again, I think it was a very impactful program. Well, I got to ask the questions. Here we go. You ready? Let's talk about cooking for the Grateful Dead. I mean, I held on to the end of this. You know, now, now I got to throw the Beatle thing out. So which one do you want to do first? You want to do the Beatle one or you want to do the dead one? You pick. The, you dead, the dead one. So, okay. Well, you're going to tell both of them. So you just go whichever uh, order you okay. want to go. <laughs> okay. So um, I never graduated high school. And when I was, I think, 17 or something, I'd been thrown out of a number of schools and I thought my avocation was going to be ski bomb. And so when I was 20, I hitchhiked from the East Coast out to Telluride, Colorado. It was 1973. And I was going to be a ski bomb. And I had no money. And I got there and I called home. And my parents, right, rightfully so, looked at the phone and went, what, really? You know, you got in trouble. You didn't graduate high school. Now you're calling for money. No way. So... I talked my way into an assistant breakfast cook position um, and I started cooking around town. And that's really how I got into food. I started a baking company and I started catering. And when I was catering, we would cater all of the big festivals and events in Telluride, the film festival, the bluegrass festival, jazz festival, the mushroom festival, when it was a lot of different kinds of mushrooms. And eventually the Grateful Dead came to Telluride and I was I and a team were cooking backstage at the dead and probably for the dead, the funniest story. I mean, there's lots of funny stories. We were, we had to be on call 24 hours a day in case they wanted something. And, and that something could be fresh squeezed orange juice at two in the morning. So we always had staff working, but one of the dead, and they had these big, huge containers of M&Ms. They always wanted M&Ms around, but they didn't want any green ones. And so I actually had somebody working full time to open bags of M&Ms and take out all the green the ones because because they couldn't have green M&Ms. And those, I, thought, I mean, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and you, well, and you can just imagine. Um, you know, we're talking about the 70s, the yeah. lifestyle choices people were making and the things that were happening backstage at all the all the music festivals, but especially at the dead was pretty wild. I can only imagine. Well, I spent my time cruising around and following and when I when, kind of a similar type when I was retailing, you know, way back in the days before electricity. Um, we used to get calls from their folks when they passed through Southern California because we were a big organic market back then and we had access to things and they would reach out and 
we want to get food to come in and we'd have some of the folks like yourselves that would call us and we put orders in and try to you know get what they wanted so not quite the same thing as you being backstage but nonetheless you know kind of similar in a little bit tell me about the beatles Oh, by the so, way, I was going to say something about the green M&Ms. Like, I thought I was a prima donna because of the white lilies and Evian only, and nobody can make eye contact with me anymore. But the green M&M thing's a little extreme. I know. It's kind of crazy. Um, so one of the things that was happening at the wellness center at the Ross School was there was all these big events, as I said, with Quincy Jones. But the, the Beatles had, and this must have been, around 2001 or two, the Beatles came out with their movie Red, which maybe, I mean, it wasn't a really big thing, but the movie premiered or one of the premieres was at the Ross School. And so we catered oh, wow. for, for the opening of the movie at the Ross School. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah. That's it, was a, a wild, it was a wild ride at the Ross School, but more importantly than the Beatles or Barbara Streisand or Quincy Jones was that myself and my team had the ability and the finances behind us to really figure out how school food could work. And, you know, for that, I'll always be appreciative of Courtney Ross and grateful for, for sure. the start that they gave us there that has now helped to change the world. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you got that, you got that little bit of that push. You got, you know, thank goodness you said, all right, I'll come down. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine if you would have decided not to take the right turn versus a left turn on the path? I, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I would have been a chef and I yeah. might have cooked good food, but I don't think I would have changed the world at all. Uh, well, I think you're definitely changing the world. That's for sure. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. I want to switch gears a little bit and have a little fun with you. Something we do here all the time. We play a little trivia. We have a little bit of fun with our guests. And so it's safe. You're not playing for any. You're not playing for anything. Just pride. <laughs> You know, we're going to give you a couple ones. Just throw them out there, have a little bit of fun. So tell me, what country What country has the most time zones? That's a tough one. It surprises have, me. I have no idea. I would guess that it's either China or Russia or India, but I don't know. It's France. They have 12 time zones in France. That's small of a country with 12 time zones. Okay, I never would have guessed that. I would have I guessed have it's one of the bigger countries. Yeah, no, that's what I thought too, but it's not. The United States, I think, has 11 is what they claim. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they all are, but apparently we've got 11. I don't know how we have 11. But I don't either. I don't, I don't, I don't get either. that. In a I don't Pacific, Mountain, Central, East Central. Coast, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just read it. I don't, I, don't re I don't make it up. I just read it. <laughs> so raisins, raisins or grapes, which one's better? Well, I would say... Grapes, because I like to drink red wine. Yeah, I was totally going with that. Raisins, yeah, blow them out of the water. Who needs them? I agree with you. So let me ask you now. And this one's going to be a little bit tougher one for you. And you, you can you can decline not to answer it in the in the in the in the light of the Chef Ann Foundation. What's your favorite fair or carnival food? My well, my favorite fair of carnival food. I'm not sure when I was at a carnival, but I must have been as a kid. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, deep fried butter. I mean, you know, churro. What do you got? So what's your favorite? I, better, yeah. What, just what's the best? You know, junk food on a stick, more or less. Junk food on a stick. I'm really not much of a junk food aficionado. I gotta say, I really. So see, don't. I told you, you could get out of this one. I love it. I mean, I'm not trying to get out of it. I just don't think it's you know part of my life. I mean, I'll eat a good French fry. You know, if somebody has great that. French fries, I'll eat good French fries. I'm down but with that. A little chocolate I'm not with red much wine. Of a junk food. Yeah. Chocolate <laughs> with red wine. Yeah. Chocolate <laughs> and red wine. But that's chocolate. not even junk food. That's real food. That's real food. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'll get out of that. I'll, I'll back us out of that question real quick. Chocolate and red wine off the chain. Yep. You have done um, some really, really um, amazing stuff. There's no two ways about it. And one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on. Uh, as well that, that um, I want to call out, you know, specifically, I've got, you know, kind of two more things I want to talk with you about, one of which is your project produce. And I want to throw a, a flag up in the air to all of my friends and colleagues. You're all right. I'll babble for, I'll babble, you know, all of my friends and colleagues out there, because you have a program that you're trying to get off the ground. You're trying to fund, you're trying to make it happen, which is really a grant program. Um, Focusing on, you know, um, getting more fruits and veg into the schools. 
And how are we going to go about doing it? Like, you know, similar, I think, in some ways to what the salad bar program is about, but really trying to, to work on um, getting this, this program off the ground and really driving home the message of fresh fruits and vegetables. So if you wouldn't mind just specifically, you know, if you would, if you would just touch on it really quick for everybody, because I, I want to make this kind of a, a last of our time together call out so people have it embedded in their heads. And we're going to, you know, again, we're going to blow it up for you socially and keep this ball rolling. But can you touch about Project Produce just for a second? Project Produce was an offshoot of the salad, uh, salad bars to schools. And it right. was the idea that the salad bars needed education for the kids. And most school districts don't have money to educate the kids. So we started a granting program that was specific to give school districts money to teach kids about fresh fruits and vegetables. And they could come up with the program. And we archived all the projects on the website so that other school districts could see what they did. And some of it was tastings and some of it was working in the garden and some of it was in the cafeteria, but it was really promoting this idea of fresh fruits and vegetables in schools. Now the program's not running right now. We ran out of funding. We, I think if we got a bunch of funding, we would do it again, but it's really about supporting fresh fruits and vegetables in schools and getting kids to try new, pro new fresh fruits and vegetables and eat them and love them. Love it. So here you go, peeps. It's your time. You want to step up? You want to get onto a runway that has a jumbo jet at full speed going down, taking off and making something happen? This is a chance to do it. Um, they need to help. They want the help. They, they, they've got the track record. You, you can, by what we've shared over the last hour, you can already hear what's going on. Um, let's step up. Let's figure out how to help. So go to the website, reach out to me personally. I'll put you in contact with Chef, whatever it is. Let's go. This is a great opportunity to work the next generation of consumers to make a positive change in our planet. Um, and you can be a part of it. And you're not reinventing the wheel because you've already got the, you've already got the first part of the ladder. Now we just need to get to this, to the second step. And I absolutely love it. And I, I you're incredibly inspiring. Um, and, and just really have been um, just an amazing guest. I was, I, I, I emailed you yesterday and told you I was excited about this, which I don't do very often. Uh, just because I believe so strongly in your message and believe so strongly in what you're doing and why you're doing it and how important it is to me. You know, you've been out on a quest to educate people for 10 plus years now. You've touched millions of lives, which is so impactful. Um, you know, you're building a brighter future out there, one kid at a time. And that future goes beyond that kid. It goes to that kid who's a 20-year-old to a 50-year-old to a 70-year-old and all the way back through that next generation. So for that, Thank you. And, and, and it's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly inspiring and impactful. But I want, I want one final question I want to throw at you with, with our time. If you could just get to say one thing about the work that, you do, that you've done, what would you say? What I would say is, is that we have helped. The work that we've done with the Chef Ann Foundation has really helped children all over the country, over 3 million of them, have better health, have better academic performance, and learn to live healthier lives. And touching millions of kids that way is, I'm just full of gratitude that I found this thing that I loved, that I, <clears throat> I've been able to do it, and we're changing kids' lives. And I think that you know, that's it. As I always say, drop the Sharpie kids, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you nailed it. And thank you, um, folks, get on board, get on the website, check it out. It is worth your time um, because the tools are there for you to do it, to, to take these tools and put them in your own backyard and make a positive change that you can physically see. You could drive to your kid's school and see a difference. Um, so I hope everybody gets on the, on the website. I hope they reach out. Um, Thank you uh, very much for who you are and what you're doing and for going down that path and, uh, you know, following it and getting you to this point, because, um, again, you're inspiring. And uh, I'm just honored to have you here and I want you to come back. I'd like to do it, you know, do something later in the year. Let's get an update. Let's keep things going. Keep us informed. We'll we'll keep banging the drum and the message all we can. Uh, the Produce Project, people step up. Let's go. Call to action. It's time. Let's go make a difference. You can do it. And it's here to go do so. Thank you very much for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been really great. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. You know, I say it all the time. Go inspire somebody. 
And if this conversation doesn't help you understand inspiration and how important it is to go inspire folks, I don't know what will, but do it. Go inspire somebody today. It's not hard to do, and it'll make your day so much better, let alone the person that you help inspire. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, Welcome to season two. We're off to the races. Here we go. Lots more to come. So check us out on all the social media sites everywhere where all the cool kids are. That's where we are. Chef Am Foundation. Get online. Check them out. Let's go. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll see you soon. Take care.